When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Broadcast on June 11th. That's their first preseason game against the Calgary Stampeders. Toronto Blue Jays won today 8-4 over Milwaukee. Ryan Goins, his first career Grand Slam. Kevin Pillar, Devin Travis, and Jose Bautista had solo shots. Marcus Stroman, the win to improve to 5-2 and two on the season. Your scoreboard courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310-GLASS today. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630. Ched, Kevin, we're going to have to put the headphones on if you can find something. Oh, I'm right here, man. Okay, because we got a caller. Kevin Carius from Global Television in studio. We've got a lot to talk about with him, but we have one of our regulars wanting to uh, talk tonight. We have Jared on the line. Jared, how are you doing? Good, Reed. Good. I, Kevin's I here as well they tonight. Paid you on your time off. Pardon me? I hope they paid you on your time off. Well, of course they did. <laughs> uh, I just want to make a quick uh, comment on uh, what Kelly Rudy was talking about tonight. And I, and I was thinking about, you know, if, if everybody wants to go to this almost like semi-no-touch hockey where it's not very physical, no stick work, you got to think of, like, what type of hockey would that be? And in the sense is, you know, the physical contact in hockey is to remove the man from the puck. So once that element starts being taken out of the game, that physical element, which I guess hockey would call a combat sport, it just will be, become strictly a puck possession sport. And I don't know if the fans, like true hockey fans, would really want to see that. They, we don't want to see our stars hurt. But I don't think we want to move towards a game where it's almost like an all-star game. No, and I, I don't want it to. I guess my argument would be, Jared, is I would like to see what would the game look like if, if, if you're making a line change and I, I'm not, I, like if I actually got a penalty for slashing you while you have one foot on the bench. You know what I mean? Like, when the puck is there, I'm all for high, high battle level, high, high physicality. I'm just wondering if we can take some of the crap, for lack of a better word, of an unsuspecting player, you know, getting a stick or a cross check on the wrist or something, when the puck's a zone away. That's what I'm wondering about. Yeah, and the only other comment I want to make is about Ottawa, and everyone's saying they're playing this big defensive style. But, you know, as I watched the NHL over the years, you know, and when Gretzky and Lemieux and those guys were around, I don't think the top players now are that much better uh, than they were back then. But the third and fourth line and that last pairing defenseman and even the guys in the press box, they're so much better now. And I think that that's what's really producing the parity in the NHL. So when Connor McDavid goes out in the ice, he can no longer feed off those third and fourth liners like Gretzky or Lemieux did. So now the coaches because there's so many players that are good, mm-hmm. they, it's more of a coaching game now. It's all about systems because 
there isn't that much difference between the players. Like, you look at Nashville, everybody thought when Johansson was out that all of a sudden they're going to start losing. Well, they didn't beat Chicago just with that one guy. Right. They're a very good hockey team, and there's just so much depth, like even with Pittsburgh or whoever. And it's all, I think, based around the system that they're playing. It doesn't matter if it's Crosby or McDavid. They have to play within a system. And I don't really think that when Lemur Gretzky were around that they were playing within a system. I just think they went all onto the ice and were doing whatever they liked. Well, yeah, thanks for that, Joe. I think some good good points there. And Jim, Jim, we're going to bring you in in a second here, but I want to bring Kevin Carries in. Uh, I mean, I think that it's more of a technical game nowadays. And one thing everybody says, especially over about the last decade, Kevin, is you got to skate. If you're six foot six, you'll probably get a few chances. But if you ultimately can't move, you're you're in the AHL. And let's face it, when Gretzky and Messier and Lemieux played, there were some bottom pairing guys, maybe and even middle pairing guys. Couldn't move, couldn't, couldn't move. Yeah, yeah. Some guys look, look, skate, at, yeah. look at the highlights when you see a guy coming down the wing. I mean, and he's got a shot that normally wouldn't even come close to a goal. Yeah. And it, the goalie's out of position by a foot, and it's you know, it's unreal. But getting back to the caller's point on the stick work, I, I think they got to they got to get rid of the parallel. You know, they got to start calling the parallel to the ice. How can you slash a guy's shaft of his stick and break, and that is a penalty? But if you go a foot higher, slash his hand, break his hand, that's not a penalty. They have to get rid... They have to get start calling the parallel to the ice infractions. Right. They have to start doing that again. They did it 10 years ago for a little while, got away from it. They have to get back to that. Yeah. Because that opens the ice... And then th- that leads to the little hooks and all that other stuff. Anytime your stick is parallel to the ice and it's above where the player's hands are at his waist in that area, you've got to call that. That's how you're going to create more yeah. scoring. I, I think it's time for a, a a mild reset. I don't know if they have to do... I don't know if it needs to be as drastic as they did coming out of the lockout. And they did it in all levels of hockey. I mean, I covered Junior A yeah. games where there were 16 power plays and people were getting frustrated, but they wanted to teach it at every level. I, I, I and, I, and again, my stuff is... I, you know what, Kevin? If you and I are battling for the puck... Fine, I might, you know, you can't hit a guy in the head, but I'm going to put my elbow into your chest. I might try to give you a little whack to get you off your game, but I, I think there's a point where they got to accept the battle is over. And then if you're back-checking, I shouldn't be able to come up behind you and just cross-check you in the spine because I'm mad at something you did four seconds ago when the puck was there. That that's That's my little beef. I just think there's been more stick work in these playoffs than we've seen probably ever in the NHL. I think it's it's gradually increased since the lockout and now we're seeing a ton of it also about his point about nashville and and the coaching peter laviolette his teams push it wherever he's gone they i mean people are criticizing ottawa for playing too much in a shell or whatever you want to call what boucher does laviolette's to me the other extreme even go back 11 years for laviolette there you go it took, in Craig McTavish's words, it took the Oilers 100 and whatever games to play a perfect game in 2006. And it was game six of the Stanley Cup final when the Oilers won 4 nothing. Mm-hmm. McTavish said after the game, it took us whatever that amount of time and we played a perfect game. So everyone believed to a man in that Oilers locker room that they were going to win game seven. So you tell me how what a leadership group and a coach does on the other end in Laviolette's case, to get his team back to where, yeah, they were dominating Game 6, but they played a very, very good Game 7 to win it all. And do you remember about halfway through the third period, he called a timeout at at Rexall Place, 
and just yelled at it. I, I remember that watching it on, on TV. I mean, the game was mm-hmm. lost. He wasn't planning a comeback, but he kind of gave him the let's pull our heads out of you know where because yeah. we were playing another game in three days or whatever it was. Yep. No, he's uh, three different teams to the cup final. And, Select company. And, and he was, you know, a buddy even texted me the other day. He said that, I, I don't know, this would be an interesting debate. The, the 2006 Carolina team, a, a really good team. They were a really they good, had a good team. team, but the, even so, did they overachieve? Given, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They were top five I'm, in the regular season, but yeah, I would they have 112 points or something? Yeah, they, easy they division. They were team. in an easy division. They probably, you know, yeah, added their helps. stats and the point column. But, okay, but but if you, if you're looking at Laviolette's best coaching job, Philadelphia Stanley Cup Final 2010, Michael Layton was the goaltender. Mm-hmm. Michael Layton did nothing <laughs> since then, like literally nothing. No, I mean, he, full marks. I mean, and he's he's done it wherever he's uh, posted, wherever he's been at a post. He has been rock solid, and that's why, you know, he's sought after, uh, you know, when the Americans are looking for a coach for whatever it is. Kevin, we, we had some stuff planned to talk about. If people want to talk, sure. they get priority. So we got Jim on the line, who's All one right, of our regulars Jim. as well. Hey, Jim. Hey, priority, I like that. Number one or number two? Oh, she's <laughs> careful now. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, you know, you talk about stick work. It's not I wasn't gonna talk about it, but stick work and goalie interference, I mean I think this year it's been a joke. This not just because of the Oilers, but because of, of what the, the players are getting away with. And um and yet they keep doing it and, and uh, they don't want to call. So something has to change for next year before somebody seriously gets hurt. I don't to now, be honest with you, people are all they're you're gonna get hurt no matter what. It's more about what do you want to see the game? Do you want to see the flow? Do you want to see the great players skate fast? Do you want to see them stick handle fast? Do you want to see them uh, attack the defensive uh, pair without getting a tug, without getting a a hack to take them off their momentum? That's what you want to see because that way that's going to create offense. Uh, The other thing I'd like to talk about, um, the one guy that I would let, let leave unprotected, and I don't know if you guys have talked very much about it, Everly, I'm sorry. I think that uh, no, they'll protect him, players, Jim. They'll. I, I don't see uh, why. I don't see why you. If they want it, if the Oilers don't want Jordan Everly on the roster next year, very possible. But I still don't see why you would risk giving him up for absolutely nothing. Why? Because you're saving six million dollars, and that's going to go a long ways in doing something else. But why not try that's to get something reason. back? Well, you're not going to get. The trouble is, you make six million. So if you get something back, you'll get something back, plus it's going to cost you money. So you're not going to come too far ahead. That's why I would say if you're going to dump a contract, this is an opportunity. And if, and if Vegas takes them, great. And if they don't, Jordan still have them. But I think that what I would do is I would strictly get rid of, of, of Everly. And, I mean, I like him as a player, but he hasn't done much this year. And if, and if we're going to try to save any money for, for next year or, or maybe try to get another player, this is an opportunity I believe we need to do. I think you've. There's been a lot of Oiler fans that have thought that because it's it is an opportunity. I just when you score 20 goals in the NHL, and that's your low point for the time that he's been here. Those are a lot of goals that you got to make up somewhere. Um, that's 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 yeah. why I still think there's some team that would want that type of player, right? I mean, there are teams out there that would but say, like, okay, he doesn't he had, check, but maybe he gets points, right? He had by his own account probably the worst year he's Absolutely. ever had, and he still scored 20 goals. Yeah. You know, a lot of them were down the stretch, key times, but still, you don't, you know, you don't just find those guys hanging on trees. So, you think if he can get back to where he was, and if he can take his game a little bit better, I think he's a valuable member of the team. Yeah, and I and I I understand he's his deficiencies because I've been critical of him myself, 
but there's, but they're correctable. There's still and and there's still value. I mean, guys who can get their name on the score sheet always have value, right? But they're, so that's those why those I are correctable exp- too, though. Reed, right? Can you not? Um, if he's got to commit to correcting them, yeah, sure. If, if yeah. you want to, if you want to have him and have, you know, talk to him and say we like this about you, but you got to be better at this, this, and that, then that's a, still a player that you want to have on your roster. All right, we got uh, Kirk on hold. We'll get to him after the break. Kevin and I are going to talk a little more hockey, a little more golf, inside sports on six thirty. Chad. from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in. Windsor leading Erie 3-1, 12 minutes left in the third period. Final round robin game at the Memorial Cup. The winner goes straight to the final. The loser has to play St. John in the semi on Friday. Just some quick texts to 630-630. Uh, Julie says, how good do you think Nashville would be if they had not made the Subban-Weber trade? Do you think they would be where they are today? That's an interesting debate. They'd still be sure pretty is. good, obviously. I think that, yeah, it'd be very good still. Uh, this texture says, uh, I'm not into players who goon it up like Kessler and Matt Cook. They're ruining the game. The slashing, the kidney, the neck shots with the stick are all brutal. And uh, Jay says, uh, Everly, the third top point getter who was plus three over the year, and people want to get rid of him for nothing. That makes no sense at all. Yeah, I, I, I would hope that if Jordan Eberle is not on the Oilers roster in the fall, it's because of a trade and not because he was... Cl- that's just how I feel. I, I, I wouldn't expose him and risk I, I wouldn't him expose him either. Having said that, that uh, the previous caller said, you know, it is $6 million. And it is a valid point. It really is. No, I understand because, that argument, but I, I'm yeah. just saying where I come down on it. Yeah, I, I, I would never leave him unprotected, but I see the point of uh, shoring things up for McDavid and Dreisaitl. We got Kirk on the line. Kirk, thanks for calling. Hi guys. Hi Kevin. Hi Reed. Hi Kirk. Um, too bad about Seattle. I was kind of disappointed for the the WHL, but yeah, whatever. Um, about uh, Pecorine and Cam Talbot. Uh, that last game, I got to finally watch it because it was on CBC, and Rene took a lot of the junk from Anaheim. Like, wow. Um, Corey Perry fell down and smacked him in the face, and there's guys running him all all night. And I think he's more mature, and he kind of learned what he's what he has to expect in the playoffs, maybe. And uh, Cam Talbot, I hope he's watching because he's he's amazing right now. Like Pecorine is outstanding. He does not let that stuff face him. He gets right back up. He fights through those guys because he understands the refs are letting his garbage go. So this is what he's got to do. And uh, I think if Cam Talbot next year will figure this stuff out, and well, he's going to be I, a lot better. I, I don't know. I, I think Cam Del- Talbot's demeanor when things get a little crazy is very good. He's pretty level-headed. I, I think Kirk makes a valid point, perhaps, though, about the Oilers as a whole. I mean, I mean, they, they had guys who'd been in the playoffs. They had guys who hadn't, certainly as that bunch. Um, they hadn't been in. Rene's interesting, though, Kevin. And, and, Kirk, I'm glad you brought him up because we were talking about the national defense. I mean, four, five, six years ago, you would say list the top five goalies in the league. Rene would have been on the list every year. Last probably two or three years, no. 
maybe not even in the top 10 anymore. And now he's he's back. You know, like, you know we talked to Stu Grimson out of Nashville, Pete mm-hmm. Weber, and they're saying he looks like the Pecorino of, of three years ago. St- continues to be an excellent puck handler. And, uh, you know, uh, w- whatever kicks in, I mean, that just shows you the ups and downs uh, of a career. And you're in a groove. You know, that's what happens. That's how it works for players. You know, you can't have it all the time and you can't be poor all the time. Uh, if you can get out of that groove where things aren't going well and find your way into a positive, you know, atmosphere, that's where he is right now. All right, so Nashville's in, Kevin. We got Pittsburgh, Ottawa tomorrow. Uh, you know, Kelly Rudy gave some thoughts about how Ottawa's playing. Uh, Jack Michaels thinks that is this, you know, he was saying, is this one of those years like 89 or 93 where Pittsburgh looks so good but something derails them in the playoffs? Um, he still thinks Pittsburgh gets it done tomorrow. So do I. You know, I know Pittsburgh is without some guys. But I, but but Ottawa just has you. Yeah. <laughs> they've, the, like, they've got the destiny just, thing they, going. Is for that? Them. I mean, I hate this because that's such an intangible thing. But do you? What do you think? Tomorrow? It's all, all on Craig Anderson. Well, he's I mean, been excellent too. You know, if he plays like he did uh, in Game Six, I think Ottawa can pull this off. I, I would be shocked to see it be a, a lopsided game, lopsided score like it was in Game Five. But no, in my mind, it's all on Craig Anderson, and that's nothing earth-shattering to say. But he is—he's the key for Ottawa tomorrow. And I mean, you know, <laughs> just think if they could get this done, maybe there there could be a, a little excitement in the nation's capital because there hasn't been a whole lot. Has so, there? what's your take on that, Kevin? Oh. The game yesterday was not sold out. They still had about eighteen thousand one hundred. The yeah. arena's a little bigger than ours. It's about eighteen yeah. six, eighteen seven. So it's not like it was half full, but it's. Given the demand we saw here at Edmonton for tickets, it's a little odd to see that in Ottawa. It's in a poor location in Canada. That is one thing. But having said that, it's not like you're going to a Tuesday night game against uh, Minnesota or Columbus. Right. I mean, someone sent out a picture too earlier uh, today about, uh, it was like an hour after last night's Game 6 win, a picture of just downtown Ottawa. Where the rink is not located, as you Where said. it's not, but, but still, you would think there's going to be people having a few pops and whatever and watching the game. It was like a ghost town. So, I just don't understand. And, and I mean, you know, Ottawa has always been, you know, the, the red-headed stepchild of the NHL in Canada, right? When Ottawa comes here, how many Senator jerseys do you see? Not many. Yeah, it's not the same vibe as the other Canadian team. Every teams. other Canadian team has it, but not Ottawa. Kevin Carius from Global Television. We're going to talk a little uh, golf when we get back. And Morley Scott caught up to one of your favorite Eskimos, linebacker J.C. Sherritt. Earlier today, we'll have that conversation all before we wrap up. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio. 6.30 check. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. J.C. Sheriff coming up in about 15 minutes here on Inside Sports. Eskimos medicals are Saturday. Training camp starts Sunday, 9.20 a.m., open to the public. Fan day next Saturday, June 3rd. Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium from 1 to 4 p.m. Quick sidebar. Do it. We got the training camp. I had a chat with Len Rhodes today, and I'm not going to get into too many details about it, but I addressed a situation about camp accessibility for 
television for you guys and radio and print guys. It doesn't matter. Shooting windows and things like that because you remember when Len Rhodes had his end of the year dismissal speech with uh, for Ed Hervey. Yes. Accessibility was the major word, right? It yes. Was, it came out every 10 seconds. Well, the accessibility for us for television stations is the same if or if not worse for training camp than it was last year. How so? Well, we can't shoot certain times. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's only a five-minute window to shoot. Um, we can shoot, say, at 9.30 in the morning till 10. Then player availability is until 12.30, so we can't do anything for two and a half hours. So, what, you know, it's just not conducive to telling the stories, which Len Rhodes said that he wanted to talk about, uh, and tell the stories of all these great players. It's not conducive to us. And, and right now, I mean, TSN, yes, is the broadcast partner for for CFL and the Eskimos. But TSN doesn't cover the Eskimos on a daily basis like we do. So I'm hoping that we can make some arrangements here, especially for training camp. I don't understand why at training camp they are worried about television cameras shooting certain parts of practice. I mean, do you think in day two of of training camp you're going to give away some secret play that's going to happen in the regular season? I don't think so. 7.35 inside sports on 6.30. Chad, there was a golf tournament being played today. Despite the tough weather, <laughs> Murray McCourt from the ranch joining us. Murray, you're on with Reed and Kevin. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Uh, congratulations to Dustin Risden, who uh, wins the uh, PGA Tour of Alberta stop at the ranch. Two-day total of 137. He shot a 69 today. Uh, Murray, which I'm sure people won't be surprised to hear. A lot of scores in the 70s and even the 80s. I guess my first question is, how did you even manage to get this round in today? Well, it was pretty insane. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I I would say most of the pros after when we were sitting around uh, having lunch after, we were talking about how that was the uh, toughest conditions that they've ever played in uh, in their life. One, One person actually said, that's the most rain that I've ever played in one round in my life and the most wind that I've ever played in one round in my life. And he said, and they happened at the same time in the same round. So it, it was absolutely uh, insane and treacherous conditions. But the reason it was able to get in is the ranch uh, is all a sand-based golf course. So there was literally no standing water on the golf course at all today. So the golf course was was playable that way and, uh, and didn't cause any problems that way. Uh, certainly some significant issues especially later on in the in the day with the with the wind and some trees falling down which maybe made it not the safest thing in the world but <laughs> but in terms of the playability of the golf course with the wetness it was it was fine Murr, we've played about 100 rounds maybe more together how bad of my with uh, my slice would the wind have taken that ball today <laughs> oh my god <laughs> how many well, fairways over even my ball was my ball in the wind was doing what your ball does on a regular day sometimes today it was it was really nuts unbelievable murray was there was there uh, a because i i know it, i don't think it rained quite the entire day was there a better time of day or maybe a less worse time of day to to play today well there was a window of time i think when uh, in my group maybe holes uh, Four, five, six, seven. Uh, we had a, about a four-hole stretch where where it actually was was pretty decent, and we'd taken off our rain gloves and and all that kind of thing for a few holes, and then and then it just got gloomy, and and you know people I'm with were we're just like uh, this doesn't feel good right now. Something's bad's about to happen, and sure enough, all 
all hell broke loose and the wind was up and the rain was sideways and yeah, it was uh, it, it was a treacherous day. And like Dustin Risen, I mean he he's the best player in Canada that isn't playing on a on a pro tour. And and he played on pro tours for for years and won uh, you know professional events on tours around the, around the world. He he is that good. And to shoot that score today is out of this world. But I did hear a story. He had a five shot shot lead going on to the back nine today, and he was talking to PGA staff. He wanted to quit. And he was like. We just call this and not hmm. count how today's round count because he, it, it was that that bad. That wow! The winner, leader of the tournament, didn't even want to finish the nine. No, back nine. I, I did a story on Dustin Murray. I think I told you about twenty years ago when I was working in Calgary, and he's just one. Like when you look at the leaderboard and all these, you know, these PGA pros of Alberta, there's some remarkable golfers uh, when you look at all the names, but. How how often do these guys get to play? I know you don't play as often as you like, but when they go into these tour events, you know they're not playing a whole a whole lot because of their other duties, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, some some play more than others, obviously, and you know, like Dustin Risen has a pretty full uh, tournament schedule. He doesn't miss many tournaments because he wins almost every one he plays, so it's well worth his while to go and to go and play because he makes a lot of money doing it. But uh, Sure, for the rest of us, uh, you know, if we get one or one or two games in a, a week, and you know, that's lots, and and don't necessarily have the have the time to practice, and you know, it speaks volumes of the talent of the of the the pros here in in Alberta at the local clubs and and the ability that uh, that there is in the province. Well, Murray, tell us a little bit about about the tour. I mean, this was a, a two day event at the ranch. Is this? Uh, I mean, are guys going to be playing events weekly? Uh, how far and wide across the province are they traveling? Just give golf fans a, a sense of uh, where and how often these guys are playing. Well, there's a few different tours, uh, two different tours uh, with the PGA of Alberta. One's called the Players Tour, which is what what this event is, which features the the very top uh, players in the province and then there's also a professional series which is uh for the guys that don't aren't don't want to compete with the very best in the province and and there's about eight eight to ten events in both of those uh those tours in in alberta and but you can only play in one or the other you only play in the in the professional series or the players tour and and but yeah, they're throughout the entire province, and and then there's championships events too. There's the PGA of Alberta uh, championship. There's the the club professional championship, the assistant pro championship. So there's different events like that around. But all, all told, there's probably about 30 different uh, PGA of Alberta professional events uh, over the over the summer uh, around the province. Hmm. Are you fired up for the Sunday match? That's my last question. <laughs> There well, we go. <laughs> hey, after after you uh, your first round of the year, after you're so busy with the Oilers and you fire an 82 when I give you 18 shots, I didn't think I had a 64 in me that day. But I, I, we didn't have to and, talk about the 18 shots here, big guy. Come on. Well, you know I had to throw that <laughs> out there. But I got you back last Sunday, so so we're headed all square into into this Sunday match. So it'll be fun. Looking. The weather will be better again. Thank yeah, gosh. No Are you guys hosting anything else soon, Murray? Well, you t- typically you can only host uh, one uh, PGA okay. of Alberta event per year, and you know we love to have all the pros out to, and play at the ranch, and and we take great care of them uh, when we're there, and make sure the course is is uh, as good as it can possibly be for them. And so we host uh, for sure one event every year, and 
and that was our uh, event this year. It's unfortunate that the, the weather today had to be what it was, but it sure was a fantastic day yesterday and a lot of great scores on the on the golf course yesterday, which was great to see. Yeah, well, quite a story that you got that round in that weather. Murray, I hope we can talk again this summer, man. Thanks a lot for coming on Inside Sports. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Big Murray. Murray McCourt, general manager of uh, the ranch. And, uh, I mean, Dustin Risen shoots a 69 today. And wanted to and leave. And wanted to pack her in with nine to go. It well, was that bad. That's bad it was. Well, that's impressive. Because, I mean, there are... I like. I, I think a lot of the golfers would say, you know, they've all played in rain before. But when you get that wind like that, it's just, it's devastating. You know, you're you're probably I don't we never should have asked them like how many like say if if you had a headwind uh, if you would normally hit a five iron in yeah. or a seven iron in where you hitting a three wood or something like that you know oh yeah it would have been insane oh, today and yeah. and the unpredictability of it too right I mean because yeah. you mentioned there might be a moment or where it dies greens down or you think slower. it's yeah. greens are receptive but slower you know yeah. so all right Kevin we got J C Sherrett coming up uh, I know you got to go back to work good to see you again buddy all right good to be here always. Uh, Stanley Cup on next Wednesday. Uh, game two next Wednesday. We're gonna have it on six thirty. Chad, we got game seven tomorrow first to find out who's in it. Who do you who do you like? You like? I'm still calling like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I'm yeah. still calling Pittsburgh. Well, where'd I go out in a limb? Inside Sports on Chad. <laughs> Coming right back. <laughs> This is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, so we have Windsor up 4-2 on Erie with two minutes left. Final round robin game at the Memorial Cup in Windsor. So the winner goes straight to Sunday's final. The loser plays St. John in the semifinal on Friday. Blue Jays winning earlier today, 8-4 over Milwaukee. Eskimos medicals on Saturday, training camp on Sunday. Morley Scott sat down with linebacker J.C. Sherritt. Here, just a few days away from, from getting it rolling. We sit here, we look out, see Commonwealth Stadium. Are you, are you pretty excited? Always. Um, you know, Training gets old, just straight up, and now you get to go do the fun stuff, all the stuff you work so hard for, um, and it's like coming back to your family. You know, you haven't seen these guys in a long time, so to be all together again, have that locker room atmosphere, and, and get to prepare for the season is that's the good stuff. I heard somebody once refer to that first day, medical days, like the first day of school. Everybody's seen everybody, and lots of hugs and handshakes, and everybody's uh, everybody's in a good mood. Yeah, that's that's a great description of it. Um, you know, all of us are, a lot of us were going on six, seven years together. Um, and, and you get to meet the new guys and welcome them into that family. And um, it's just great to be back, um, be around like-minded individuals that, that all want the same thing. What's your role with those guys? Now that you're, a, I don't know, what is this, your sixth, seventh year? What's, what's your role with those guys who are in Canada for the first time at a pro training camp for the first time? How much do you kind of counsel them? I do a lot, uh, as much as I can, because it was done for me. And I remember how much that meant to me and how much it helped me. And it's something I've never forgotten. Um, and I think w- when you get treated like that, it becomes a responsibility to do that to others. Um, so, you know, anybody who wants help, uh, I'm always going to reach out and I'm always going to give little tips here and there because it is tough, you know, coming to a new country. Uh, you know, you're fighting for a job. It's a stressful environment, all those things. So um, I think it's very important for not just me, but anybody who's been here and been around to, to help those guys come along. Uh, who are the guys that you remember that helped you out to talk to you a lot? 
Rod Davis and TJ Hill. Yeah, yeah they uh, they helped me out a ton. Uh, were hard on me when they needed to be, and, and helped me along when I needed it. Um, and it was it was huge, and it was lessons that that I incorporate every time I'm here, and something I try to transfer down. It, it's kind of funny you take guys under your wing, and the, the the circle of life tells you you're helping a guy get better, so he can take your job, right? <laughs> At some point, it's kind of how football works. Yeah, it is, and it's funny. You know, I it, it, it's crossed my mind before, but you. You get to the point one. You have to. I'm, I'm a really confident guy, and there is going to be a time when that guy comes along and he does take it. But uh, he's going to take it. He's going to earn it the right way, and, and I'll go out with my head held high that I, you know, didn't try to not help a guy or not teach him. You know, that's that's kind of a coward way to go about things. So, um, you know, I help as much as possible. And when it's said and done, you want guys to say he was a good teammate. Absolutely, and, and I mean it. That, it creates a culture, and it was a culture I had in college, and it's a culture we've created here now that uh, you win more with people like that. I mean, yeah, there's going to be cuts here and there, and one day my day will come. But um, yeah, you look back and you contributed to the organization, and you created an atmosphere that, that, that made it better, not worse. You talked about not liking training. Did you do anything different this off season than you have in previous off seasons? Oh, I just I up the up the sprinting and the yoga. Uh, the older you get, the more flexible you got to be. So, uh, you know, those are always two big things for me. And then other than that, you know, I've been with the same trainer for for years, and I'll always be be around him when uh, when I'm involved in sports. Uh, how's the body? 100% going into camp? 100%. Yeah, it, it feels good to to be back full speed and just excited. It's been a rough couple of years for you injury wise, hasn't it? Dealing with it, especially. Well, I've played in every game the last two years. That's that's, no. that's true. That's <laughs> no. true. Uh, you know, it's it's football, um, and you play a position that that has violence, and that's what makes it so great. But that's also what uh, you know what causes those things, and you just got to be a pro about it, and and you got to just constantly you know hope that things go your way. Luck is a huge part of it, and then if you do get dinged up, making sure you're doing the right things to get better. Uh, offensively, there's not most everybody's returning. There's a few guys, obviously, some key guys that are coming back, and especially in Terrell Walker. Defensively, not quite the same story. There's there's some changes there. Uh, tell me about the defense as you see it now, the way it's kind of round into uh, into shape during the offseason. Uh, it's better. No question. Uh, on paper, you, it, it snaps out at you, and then you think about the guys that are coming back. Just we had the same thing with Coach Jones to be to have the same system back to back is it's it's just huge for your progression. How to be a better defense, and then uh, I love the additions we had. Uh, got to meet Corey in person finally. Got to talk to him today, and, it, and I think he's going to be a huge addition for us. And um, you know, this organization has always done a good job of bringing in people, bringing in depth, and, uh, you know, we're just excited to get out there together. Mike Benavidi's system, knowing it for a year, playing it for a year, obviously everybody will be better at it this year? That's Yeah, that's how it goes, and it's the whole coaching staff is together. So um, just the way you're able to communicate, uh, you know, those things take time, and we've seen it here before where it, it'll take you a year to, to click at that high level, um, that level of dominance that you always want to play at. Uh, it, it, you can't just snap your fingers and do it. It takes time working together, going through adversity, and um, you know that's the point we're at now. Everybody's tied for first place right now. What what kind of expectations do you have as you you go into 2017? Uh, I, I think I'm supposed to hit all the cliches. You got to take it one day at a time. You got to. Uh, I, 
I mean, it's great cup, and that's what we, we've we've won before. We've been close before. We've had our hearts ripped out like last year. Um, you know, it's it's something that we're we're aware of what it takes. Um, but it is, I mean, those cliches are there for a reason. you got to take advantage of, of every day we have out here because there's a team out there that's going to. Um, and if you don't match that, uh, it'll cost you. After winning it in 2015 and then not winning it in 2016, does the approach change in 2017 after you get a taste of, you know, the absolute euphoric end of it and then the heartbreak of not getting back there a year later? Uh, you know, you're supposed to say uh, you train the same every time. But more cliches. Yeah, more cliches. But there is a human element um, to when you win that off season. Uh, I think there's just a human element of you get a rest on your laurels a little bit. It's not that you don't train hard, but there's little extra things that maybe you didn't do before because you're a champion now, you know. Um, and the same thing goes when it gets torn away from you. It's a lot easier to do extra work to run more hills, to do all these little things that you remember that's what got you there in the first place. And uh, I think that's going to be big for us. And, um, you know, it's a hungry, hungry atmosphere. The biggest change to the Eskimos this year, obviously, at the top of the general manager's position, I imagine that caught you, like everyone else, by surprise. Yeah, it did. Um, after I I was a part I was here for the Ricky Ray trade so there's nothing that's gonna really shock me completely but it was uh, it was crazy to see uh, obviously I was I was very close with Ed he I wouldn't be in this league without him he's the scout that brought me in but I mean at the same time like I said I was here for Ricky Ray um, it stuff happens that's the business and you just got to be. Be able to roll with the punches, you know, be grateful for your time together and move forward. You had a chance to talk with Brock much yet? I did. I did. Uh, he's a great guy, uh, Montana guy, so he's from my conference, which is always a cool thing, and the trash talk's already begun. Um, but uh, you can tell right off the bat that, that he's a professional. He's got a vision, uh, very personal guy that, that wants to win, and we're excited to have him here. J.C. Sherritt, Eskimos linebacker, some pre-training camp thoughts as he sat down with Morley Scott, Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, Blake Dermott, back uh, back as your broadcast team for our Eskimos games here on 630 Chet in 2017. Brendan Ulrich will continue to work the sidelines at home games. Going to be fun. Some, uh, not a lot of roster changes, but obviously the big change at the GM position. We'll see how the Eskimos handle it. All right, so Windsor wins 4-2 over Erie. They're straight into the Memorial Cup final on Sunday against either Erie or St. John. Of course, Seattle didn't make it to a playoff game. They went 0-3 in the round robin. Some text to 630-630. This texter says, as an Oilers fan, I found myself suddenly liking country music. If you get my drift, it is temporary, likely until Ottawa wins the Stanley Cup. That's a text from someone listening in Toronto. Thanks for tuning in. Todd says, I know this is old school, but if you want to be a cheap player in the NHL, then you should be accountable for your actions. I wonder if some players are going to have to stand up for what they've been doing in the playoffs. That is from Todd. And uh, another texter says, Reed, I agree with you 100%. The NHL has a rule book. Why don't they just enforce it like they do in international hockey? All right. First caller through, 780-496-0063, gets a pair of tickets to see the WWE show at Northlands Coliseum on June 16th. Kellen, you're the wrestling expert. Is this, yes. uh, what, 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 is the, uh, what is the draw here? WWE Live. 
get to see all your favorite superstars in kind of a more relaxed atmosphere than they would be on TV. It's a nice, This is not televised? Not televised. It's just for your eyes only. Is this what they call a house show? Exactly. Now, who are the Hardy Boys? Do they solve mysteries in between wrestling matches? <laughs> yes, they do. The mystery uh, no, of actually, the bouncy mat. <laughs> the, uh, they are a legendary WWE The shorts that were too tight. <laughs> starring the Hardy Boys. My favorite was... Managed by Nancy Drew. Oh, is Nancy Drew their manager? No, no. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You heard from Kevin Carius, J.C. Sherritt, Murray McCourt from The Ranch, Jack Michaels, and Kelly Rudy. Tomorrow in this time slot, Game 7, play-by-play. Penguins and Senators. I'll be back with Inside Sports at 6 o'clock on Friday. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. Thanks, as always, to everybody who called and texted. I always, uh, I can't always get to all of your texts on air, but I do read all of them and appreciate all of them. Charles Adler tonight is next. It's three minutes before eight. Thanks for listening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.